Every revolution starts with a rebel. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. I'm like, I just want to come out to the world like naked and be like, I look so hot. <laughs> I am back. You all called me a whale, Shamu, a cow. little bit of Kanye West mixed in with his wife, Kim Kardashian, talking about wanting to come out naked to the world. Of course, that's her talking about reappearing to the world after giving birth and adding on all that weight. And lots of people were making fun of her, just like they're making fun of her today, which I don't get. This woman was just robbed at gunpoint, had to beg for her life. I'll explain why this is wrong and why you should care. And let's just, I'll give you a hint right now. What would you do if it was your loved one? How would you feel? How would you react? At the base, we're all human beings, including the wealthy, including the poor. And we need a little bit more sympathy here. Kim Kardashian, we'll talk about that later on in the program. We're also going to talk about... An issue that's been in the news nonstop, but unfortunately not all the facts are out there. And that's the whole issue around Donald Trump and his tax returns. We haven't actually seen all of his tax returns, but there there were documents obtained likely illegally by the New York Times showing back in the 90s that Donald Trump had a huge loss that allowed him to write off taxes if he wanted for years to come, and he's being denounced for this without seeing the rest of the information. As a businessman and real estate developer, I have legally used the tax laws to my benefit. Haven't we all? Who wants to pay more tax than they should? Not Hillary Clinton. We'll get into how Hillary Clinton, Hillary and Bill Clinton, have used this same tax loophole they're now denouncing Donald Trump for. Have you heard that anywhere today? Hmm. Probably not. But we'll bring you that information. But the big news today is Justin Trudeau and the giant price on carbon. The government proposes that the price on carbon pollution should start at a minimum of $10 per tonne in 2018, rising by $10 each year to $50 per tonne in 2022. $50 per tonne by 2022. Justin Trudeau made this announcement while Catherine McKenna, Ottawa Centre MP and the Minister for Environment and Climate Change was meeting with the uh, provincial counterparts to talk about how to put a price on carbon. Not here's the price, how to put a price. But don't worry, Justin Trudeau says the provinces still have a choice. They can do what he says or they can do what he says. Provinces and territories will have a choice in how they implement this pricing. They can put a direct price on carbon pollution, or they can adopt a cap-and-trade system with the expectation that it be stringent enough to meet or exceed the federal benchmark. Now, don't worry. Despite claims this is going to cost the average family, we'll get into details on that in a little bit, Justin Trudeau is promising 
that this isn't going to enrich the federal government at all. But listen carefully to how and why as he gives his big, lovely speech in the House of Commons. Whatever approach is chosen, this policy will be revenue neutral for the federal government. All revenues generated under this system will stay in the province or territory where they are, they are generated. Okay, in case you didn't catch that, let's play that clip again in case you didn't catch it. Whatever approach is chosen, this policy will be revenue neutral for the federal government. Okay, pause there. All revenues pause generate... There. Okay, revenue neutral for the federal government. Why? He's forcing the provinces to put this in. Welcome to the era of cooperative federalism, first off. You'll do what I say or you'll do what I say, and you're going to do what I say. But his claim that it's going to be revenue neutral, that's being repeated all over the place. His words were revenue neutral for the federal government because they're not going to collect this tax. The provinces will keep the revenues generated. And for everyone who says there are revenue neutral carbon taxes out there, allow me to impersonate my best Matthew McConaughey. Bold. Okay, we'll cut it there. In one fell swoop, Justin Trudeau annoyed pretty much every premier and provincial and territorial government across the country, except perhaps Kathleen Wynne. Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, Saskatchewan all walked out when he made the announcement. Their provincial ministers were in Montreal to meet with Catherine McKenna to discuss this issue. They walked out. You've got premiers denouncing this, including newly minted Manitoba progressive conservative premier Brian Pallister. We're working very hard on a, on a plan that I think will excite Manitobans, work, have us do our part, and not damage our economy in the process. That's the big part that a lot of premiers are worried about during this slowdown. Are we going to be damaging our economy? Curry Dixon, who's a minister in the government of Yukon, we've had him on the program before a little while ago when he was disinvited from a public consultation. He's saying, look, up north, they don't want this. And they're part of a government that says, hey, we see the effects of climate change, but a, a, a carbon tax is going to really hurt our people. There are Western Canadians that are going to compare what's happened here today to uh, things like the National Energy Program 2.0, we might say, or, or items like that. So there's going to be concerns in Western Canada. There's going to be concerns in our province as well. And there's even concerns with left-wing Alberta Premier Rachel Notley. Now, remember, this is a woman who has her own carbon tax. This is a woman who has plans to reduce emissions. She is on side with Justin Trudeau in the grand scheme, but not how he wants to implement this. So he's even annoyed an ally like Alberta Premier Rachel Notley. An ambitious public policy move like this, even one as worthwhile as this, needs to be built on top of a fundamentally um, healthy economic foundation. And a new pipeline is what will give that not only to Alberta, but to all of Canada. In a statement from Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall, he said, I cannot believe that while the country's environment ministers were meeting on a so-called collaborative climate change plan, the Prime Minister stood in the House of Commons and announced a carbon tax unilaterally. This meeting is not worth the CO2 emissions it took for environment ministers to get there. The level of disrespect shown by the Prime Minister and his government today is stunning. This is a betrayal of the statements made by the Prime Minister in Vancouver this March, 
and this new tax regime will damage our economy. According to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, it will cost the average family about $2,600 by the time it's fully implemented. Welcome to the new Canada, where everyone is actually angry at the federal government. Not indifferent, they're angry at the federal government. But this is the new era of collaborative federalism. Well, whether it's on health care or climate change or any issue, you will do as Justin Trudeau says, or he'll use the force of the federal government to make you. And he'll tax you along the way. When we come back, we'll talk about whether this will actually do anything for the environment. Patrick Moore, one of the co-founders of Greenpeace, the sensible environmentalist, is going to join us. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Insurgent. Believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. The government proposes that the price on carbon pollution should start at a minimum of $10 per tonne in 2018, rising by $10 each year to $50 per tonne in 2022. Our illustrious Prime Minister making the giant announcement today in the House of Commons. That was at noon today, where he said that he will put a price on carbon. If you don't have one, you're going to have one. If it's not big enough, he's going to force you to make it bigger. Of course, all the premiers are mad at him, even liberal premiers. Every premier in Atlantic Canada is a liberal. They're mad at him. Rachel Notley's mad at him. But is this going to work? Is it going to do anything for the environment? Well, Patrick Moore is a sensible environmentalist, a man that I've uh, interviewed many times, talked with, discussed things, been on panels with. He has a, a Bachelor of Science in Forest Biology and a PhD in Ecology, and he was one of the founders of Greenpeace way back then. And, Patrick, I'd just like to bring that up to give you the street cred with people that might question you. Uh, you're a man that... Um, that knows science, that knows the periodic table, that knows the basics of it, will this price on carbon do anything to help the environment? Absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, it will just impoverish us for no good reason. I mean, the whole thing is completely insane. Uh, It is really just a tax grab, but they've got it all wrapped up in this window dressing of the climate change and we have to stop using fossil fuels, which happen to be more than 85% of the whole world's energy supply. And, you know, when you really look at what fossil fuels have done for human civilization, they are more responsible than anything else for how much longer we live, for how much wealthier we are, and for how much more personal freedom we have than when before we stopped using started using fossil fuels before you could uh, travel as far as the uh, your legs could carry you or the horse could carry you or maybe wherever a boat could take you yeah and your lifespan was 35 if you were lucky so uh and that's only 150 years ago uh this is just ridiculous what what the world is doing here that this whole climate change thing in the first place is phony that there's nothing strange happening with the climate 
it has warmed one degree Celsius in 150 years. That is what has happened. And they're saying that that's bad. Actually, it's good. It means that we have fewer frosty days and better crop yields. And now with all this CO2 going into the atmosphere, what they're doing is they're taxing the most important food for all life on Earth, which is carbon dioxide. Well, they all keep life, calling it. Let me ask you this, Patrick. You they heard call the it prime, carbon pollution. Yeah, the prime minister called it carbon pollution. Now, when I was a kid, we learned about CO2, how important it was for plant life. What you were just saying, now they're calling it carbon pollution. It is basically a very powerful convergence of interests among key elites in the Western world. You've got the media, you've got the Greens, you've got the scientists on public money. What, what private company would pay for all this climate scare research that these guys are doing? There's, there's no product except for fear coming out of this. And, and now we've got a, a, a substantial product in the idea that governments are now taking the fear that people have been led to believe and are using it to, to take our money away. And it, 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 you know, as if fossil fuels aren't already taxed, they're one of the most taxed commodities we have in our society. Uh, as, and now they're, they're acting as though the carbon taxes, now this is really a sin tax, like the tax on alcohol and tobacco. But the fact of the matter is all life is carbon-based, and every atom of carbon that is in life came from carbon dioxide in the atmosphere or in the oceans. If there was no carbon dioxide in the global atmosphere, this planet would be dead just like Mars which actually does have a tiny bit of carbon dioxide, but not enough to support life. So this is it, a, it, a life-sustaining byproduct of not just fossil fuels, but so many things in our world, and uh, we're going to try and get rid of it. Well, you know why there, there is CO2 when you burn fossil fuels? Because that's the CO2 that those plants inhaled while they were alive, and then they died and got preserved as fossil fuels either in the sea as oil and gas in huge shale deposits. That shale is the shells of the phytoplankton and zooplankton that ate the CO2. The phytoplankton ate the CO2. The zooplankton ate the phytoplankton. That's what those huge shale deposits are that we're fracking for oil and gas today, are the skeletons of marine life. And the oil and gas so was the organic part that was inside their, their shell. Where the Bakken uh, field is now in... Uh southern Manitoba, Saskatchewan, the Dakotas, that was, was that a big sea at one point that, that had all of this uh, marine life and, and then it disappeared and was essentially turned into oil deposits? Yes, the whole, the, the whole of the prairies basically were an inland sea and they find shark's teeth in the potash deposits, for example, and those are all marine deposits. The coal was made by land plants, mainly trees, and, and the other bushes and shrubs and stuff that grow within the forest, the coal is made from buried trees, but the oil and gas is made from sediment in the sea of, of plankton uh, over hundreds of millions of years. And all we're doing is releasing the carbon dioxide back into the atmosphere that those plants absorbed through photosynthesis to make glucose, which is sugar, which is the energy of all of life, and the, the, the glucose is also made of carbon, carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. Call them carbohydrates. And hydrocarbons are just carbohydrates that have lost their oxygen. And, and that, that oxygen is in the air. The plants put it there, too. 
But this, so, this push continues to say we've got to get rid of these things. This push continues to say this is evil, and if we don't stop this, we will all die. We, we will fry on this planet. You don't believe that. Absolutely not. What this is is a collective death wish by these idiots who, who buy into this thing. It's like a new religion. It's the ultra-left politically, and it's fundamentalist in its ideology. So it's a really toxic mixture. But there's a lot of people who benefit from it. All the people who are getting money guaranteed for 20 years profit for windmills and solar panels, for example. Those people are, that's crony capitalism. Then you've got the Greens raising huge fundraising campaigns on it. Then you've got the media who has really sensationalist stories about tornadoes now are caused by climate change, apparently. Whereas, like, there were no tornadoes before we started putting out CO2. The CO2 is actually causing the earth to get greener. The deserts are are greening, and it's this is scientific work that's being done in Germany, the United States, Australia. It's all there, but it doesn't get any publicity. And the Greens are now, Suzuki just wrote an article, well, his ghostwriter wrote it for him because he doesn't have enough knowledge to be able to have written such an article. He wrote an article about how CO2 is not really good for plants. That's what he just published. Wow. Makes it seem, he makes it seem as though, and, 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 there's, and there's way too much CO2 now, when in fact CO2 is lower now, and anybody can Google this and look at the history of CO2 through the history of life on Earth, it's much lower now than it has been nearly in the entire history of life on Earth, except for the last few million years when it's been going down and down and down. That's what, what, what we are doing, and it's hard for people to get their head around this, we, the human species, are actually restoring some balance to the global, global carbon cycle by putting some of the CO2 back in the atmosphere that was taken out and lost into sediments and coal and oil and gas, lost and lost in calcium carbonate. That's where most of it's got lost. That's what the shale's made I, of, the skeletons of marine animals, and coral is calcium carbonate, too. I, and I, that gets, I that need gets to buried. squeeze in one more question, Patrick, yes. because you mentioned the tornadoes. And we've got a minute until we hit the news, but you've got this hurricane off of Haiti and Cuba. We're always told, even though it says low confidence in in the actual scientific data put out by the UNIPCC, we're told that more hurricanes caused by climate change. We're at Hurricane Matthew. This is the first big one we might see this season. And if it stays the way it is, it's the biggest in 10 years. So we haven't had a big uh, play up in hurricanes due to climate change, have we? Even though we'll he- if this does hit land in a big way, we'll hear all about this being climate change. There's this, been a dead. The this is the longest period, 15 years, since a Category 3 or larger hurricane has struck the continental United States since they started measuring them in the late 1800s on a regular basis. So it, there's been a bit of a lull in hurricanes. There's a lull in tornadoes. The amount of property loss from damage per GDP has drastically gone down because we can now predict the weather better and we know how to build better and we've got more money so we can build stronger structures and all of that. Everything is in a positive vein that way. There's, there's, there's no actual negatives to CO2. It is a total positive because it's greening the earth. And just Google CO2, greening the earth. It's, it's there but you have to look for it because the, 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 your, your mainstream media is not going to tell you about it. Patrick, thanks for the time. Nice to be with you, Brian. You want to see more of what Patrick has to say? He's done some uh, videos lately over at the rebel.media. You can check them out. When we come back, we'll dig in into um, an issue that still relates to the environment. Our local environment minister putting her 
green ideology above your health when it comes to the new campus for the Ottawa Hospital Civic. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. A rebel? You know it. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. The committee immediately undertake a study into the government's rejection of an expert panel's decision to locate the future Ottawa Hospital Civic Campus on federal land across the street from the existing hospital, and that the committee call the Ministers of Environment, Heritage and Agriculture, along with Dr. Mark Chris Manson, the CEO of the National Capital Commission, NCC, to discuss this matter. That's Kevin Waugh, Conservative MP for Saskatoon Grasswood, introducing a motion at the Heritage Committee about the civic campus of the Ottawa Hospital? Why is the federal government talking about building or where the civic campus of the Ottawa Hospital should be? Why is this being taken up or attempted to be taken up by the Heritage Committee? Why is a Saskatoon MP asking the government about this? Well, the man with the answers is on the phone now. Pierre Poliver is the MP for Carleton. I keep wanting to say Nepean, but it, the Nepean's gone from your writing. Uh, the MP for Carleton. Uh, Pierre, what's going on here that uh, y- you and Kevin Waugh and others are trying to say to the, uh, the Heritage Committee, hey, let's call witnesses, let's study this? Well, you're quite right. It's a very strange turn of events that the Federal Heritage Committee would be involved in a provincially mandated hospital. But here's how it happened. Let's go back. Back in 2007, an expert panel at the Ottawa Civic Hospital meticulously studied 12 different potential locations for the new Ottawa Hospital which would replace the 92-year-old building that currently exists and is falling apart. They concluded that the best place to put the new hospital was right across the street on about 7% of the federal experimental farm. They took all of this abundance of evidence to, to John Baird, and over the course of years, then Minister Baird and the federal government studied it considered it, and then agreed in 2014 that the hospital should be built on that plot of land and that we could do so while preserving about 93% of the rest of the land. Um, We thought the matter was resolved. And then after the federal election, the new Ottawa minister and member of parliament for the area, Catherine McKenna, slammed on the brakes and said the whole thing had to start all over again. And then after a period of about seven months of uh, inexplicable delay, she suddenly said, I have nothing to do with this. I'm giving it to the NCC, the National Capital Commission. And that body reports to the Heritage Committee of Parliament. And that's how our hospital ended up as a subject at the National Heritage Committee in Canada. You cannot get Catherine McKenna to answer questions on this. You can't get her before the committee. The Liberals voted this down, by the way, right, this move? They voted it down. I brought a similar motion to the health committee, it being a hospital, and they voted it down there. I've asked questions in the House of Commons directed at Catherine McKenna, our environment minister and member of parliament for the area, 
and she always turns down, looks to her side, and invites a member of parliament from Montreal to answer the question on her behalf. Melanie Jolie, who is the minister for the NCC. This is how crazy it's got, Brian. A, me- a member of parliament from Montreal is in charge of the location of a hospital in Ottawa. You know, I when I worked in Montreal, I covered an awful lot of, I know how long it takes hospitals to be built. Uh, the new uh, McGill University Health Centre is not open all that long. And I was covering that back in 2000, 2001. I know these things can take a long time. But you know what never happened in that, uh, Pierre? There were never MPs from Ottawa commenting on where that hospital should go. Local MPs might have uh, voiced their opinion on it, but it was a provincial issue. And this should be a provincial issue other than the fact that the federal government said, we'll give you the land. Catherine McKenna, in my view, and, and hopefully I'll get a chance to question her on this soon, Catherine McKenna, in my view, is just putting her... I think it's a combination of animosity towards yourself and John Baird and other local conservatives and her uh, environmental ideology above the health of her constituents because she represents the area that this hospital sits in. It serves the whole city, but this it sits in her riding, and she's worried about the environmental assessments not be, having been done properly on turning over that land at the experimental farm, which is used for exactly what right now? The truth is, uh, we don't know a lot about it. Um, but but I, I recently pulled a study that was posted on the Environment Commissioner's website about that plot of land. It was dug up by Andrew Duffy, who is a very industrious reporter with the Ottawa Citizen. And it showed that there are currently eight studies happening there, but that all of them will be done at least five years before shovels are in the ground on the future hospital. You see, the hospital most optimistically would start building in 2023. All of the so research... In, in its 99th year. That's right. It will be almost 100 years old, and... Uh, the existing hospital will almost be 100 years old when they put the shovel in the ground for the new one. But as it relates to the research, there are about eight studies happening on the parcel of land in question, and they will all long have wrapped up before we ever even begin building the hospital, which begs the question, shouldn't the environment minister, Catherine McKenna, have read that report and known that before she decided to derail the construction of a hospital in her own riding for as much as a year? We're talking 60 acres out of how many at the Central Experimental Farm? Because there's also the farms out towards Barhaven as well, right? Now, the, the ones near Barhaven and the Greenbelt, are, are they're not, uh, they are um, leased out to farmers. Um, okay, that's I, I, I thought some of them were government, including with the CFIA. CFIA is located on a parcel of land just off of Fallow Field out there, but my understanding is the bulk of that land, of the land around Woodruff, Greenbank, Hunt Club, Fallow Field, et cetera, is just leased to farmers. Okay, part for, of the Greenbank. For cash cropping. Um, and, but that's not to say you couldn't repurpose small parts of around the, the, the Greenbelt to research at some point in, in the distant future as those leases come open. 
Um, but but, but uh, just on the central experimental farm, it's 60 acres that would be turned over to the hospital, and there'd yeah. be hundreds and hundreds of acres left, right? Over um, over 900 acres, yes. Okay. So it's well over 90% of the existing experimental farmland at the central experimental farm would be untouched by this hospital. Most, there are central, or there are, not central, there are experimental farms uh, littered across the country. I know that there there were some down around the Hamilton agri-region when I was growing up. I'm sure they're still there because that's a, an important agricultural area. There's one out towards Montreal as well. I'm sure there are others in every region of the country. It's not as if this is the only place that research can be done. No, and that's uh, that's precisely uh, why I, um, I I don't understand the purpose of interfering with uh, this construction. It is um, so far we're a year into this now, Brian. I mean, remember, Catherine McKenna has began delaying the hospital construction back in uh, November of 2015. We're almost we're almost a year, and still nobody has been able to tell us what ex- irreplaceable agricultural research would be lost by the construction of this. You'd think that, you know, 10 months into this circus, someone would be able to put their hand up and say, what is the research that can that, that, that will be lost? Because as I've told you, there's significant evidence to suggest that there is no research that will be lost. It will all be completed well, before we even start building. And there was even someone a little while ago who uh, had previously been in charge of research there who said, Look, um, it's pretty much been shut down. It is not what it used to be, and that's something that happened, I believe, back when it might have been Ralph Goodale was minister at the time, uh, but it was back during the Cretchen era, and it has never recovered. It was The funding was long gone before you guys took power. The Harper administration never ramped it back up and said, okay, you know, get going again. It was just left as it had been when you took over. So most of the research that people are lamenting was done 20 years ago. Forget the stuff that you're talking about that will be done in five. Exactly. So here we are wasting time. Uh, I think that what happened is that Miss McKenna said she was going to show the people of Ottawa how much more enlightened and consultative she was versus the previous conservative government. And so she slammed on the brakes. Then three or four months went by, and the hospital knocked on her door and said, listen, minister, where are we supposed to build? And she said, you know, it's funny, I haven't been able to find you anything better. Why don't I just punt this to the NCC and go into hiding? And, and right now, Ottawa has no voice in this liberal government. They have Six liberal MPs. Not one of them will speak up on the matter. Um, they've they've all gone into hiding, and uh, the the only minister who will speak on the on the question is from Montreal. What does that say about the respect that this liberal government shows the people and the taxpayers of the nation's capital? Pierre, thanks for the time. Keep us up to date on how this goes. Thanks, Brian. Pierre Poliver is the MP for Carleton. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Do you have thoughts on this whole hospital debacle? Shoot me a line.
beyondthenews at cfra.com, beyondthenews at cfra.com. Back in moments. If you have thoughts on the hospital, if you have thoughts on the big Trudeau climate change price, can we quickly remind everyone what the price on carbon is? Trudeau, clip two. This is what you're going to be paying, folks. The government proposes that the price on carbon pollution should start at a minimum of $10 per ton in 2018, rising by $10 each year to $50 per ton in 2022. Canadian Taxpayers Federation says that'll cost you $2,600 per year for the average family. What do you think about that? Drop me a line, beyond the news at CFRA.com. It may impact our hydro bills. Now, because we call it hydro, if it were hydro, there'd be no impact. But there's a significant, not huge, but significant portion of our electricity that's generated in the province of Ontario that still comes from natural gas. This is going to drive up the cost of that as well, isn't it? Abso-freaking-lutely. Well, everyone's got horror stories of big power bills, but none quite like Mike Moss, who runs a manufacturing business in Pembroke and spoke to Bill Carroll this morning about the shocking $9,000 bill that Hydro wants from him to be allowed to continue operating. $9,000? Yeah, yeah, that's a beauty, all right. The the basic problem, uh, yes, well, I mean, it's quite a shocker. We're a struggling small business. It wasn't always like that, but uh, over the course of years of uh, hydro rates, we paid as much as $4,400 a month. And over the course of the 12 years we've owned the place, uh, I'm sure we paid hydro $400,000. And they get all wound up over $513 and threaten to cut my uh, service off. Uh, It's just disgusting. What kind of business are you in? Do you use well, a lot of electricity? It, yeah, woodworking. Uh, we have quite a, few, quite a bit of machinery running. Uh, we have another business in there, which my son runs. We have about 10 or 12 people involved in this. So, you know, if you, if you calculated all the hydro they pay as well as what I pay, I'm sure we're into three-quarters of a million dollars in the past 12 years. And it's the $500 that really eats away at me, uh, that hydro, as massive as they are, would... You know, yes, they care about 500, but we're actually a struggling business over the last couple of years. And I don't know what I'm going to do with a six, $9,000 bill. I, I just can't figure it out. Is there a mathematical error here? Because you said, you know, your wife said she averages 2600 a month. You're saying yeah. it's been as high as 4000 Where did the 9000 come from? Well, I, I guess the $500, uh, which, 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 like I said, we're struggling uh, missed payment on that last month, uh, hopefully make it up this month, because just didn't have the $2,400, all of it. Um, we, we've never been delinquent with hydro. The last couple of months we've been struggling, uh, always paid it, uh, going to pay the 500 today. Um, the next bill's not due till the 16th, but unfortunately now they've got a $6,000 security deposit attached to it. So that's uh, the 9000 part of that is the 6000 security. Yes, exactly. But they I, want all of the $9,000 oh, yeah. or they're going to cut you off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and uh, unless I figure out to sell something or go borrow at the bank, which is really stupid, uh, you know, it, it's just unbelievable. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
like I didn't borrow money from somebody, I guess. Like I, well, I hope you will, and I, I'm sure you'll find some way to do that and get caught up. But well, how long can you keep going with hydro bills that are going up and up and up? Well, I, I don't think it's possible to. Uh, we're we're actually calculating on how to shut this thing down. Really, we've got a lot of people involved. We've got ten, twelve, fifteen people involved. We pay their hydro. We pay their mortgage. We bought cars for them. Uh, it's all going to come down to hydro. In the in the winter, our hydro bill because of the heat. Uh, can go as high as forty five hundred dollars a month, and uh, you know, uh, you just pay. They've got you. There's no, there's no uh, competition. You can't fight them. They, they have no compassion whatsoever. You know, they just don't care. So, uh, what are you going to do with them? Who knows? Mike Moss on with Bill Carroll earlier today about his $9,000 hydro bill. I'm sure you've got some scare stories, even if they're not as big as $9,000. You can drop me a line on that, beyond the news at CFRA.com. Patrick Brown on earlier today saying, look, there are some easy fixes for this. We need to stop signing these new contracts. It seems every few months the government's signing 20-year deals for energy we don't need. Just to put this in perspective, when you talk about that individual's bill, half of that is going to be his global adjustment, which we can call the Kathleen Wynne adjustment, because that's where she hides all her wind contracts, all her solar contracts. Uh, And we've got to the point now that she's signed so many of these deals that we're giving power away, giving hydro away to Pennsylvania, Michigan, and New York. The Ontario Liberal government has become the Ministry of Economic Development for our competitors in the States. Stop signing deals. And I realize, I realize that you know, the Liberals have a vested interest here. The companies they sign the contracts for, the same energy we have to give away, these 30 companies gave, hear me here, uh, $1.3 million to the Ontario Liberal Party. And the Auditor General, this isn't just the opposition leader saying this was foolish. The Auditor General said that we overpaid by $9.2 billion dollars. Immediately, Kathleen Wynne stopped signing these contracts. The second thing we need to do is stop the fire sale of Hydro One. We will lose all future control over, over hydro rates with this fire sale. She's, she's making the sale at undervalued rates and, in some cases, even loaning groups money to buy shares. Um, 200 municipalities have passed resolutions against it, and the government's own financial accountability officer has said after two years it will be a net loss for the province. Okay, so you're, you're obviously very critical of the government on this file, and we've heard a lot it's a disaster. Fr- from the PC party about this. But what is your government going to do differently? How, how do you fix two it? Things. Two, two, two big things. Stop signing contracts. There's, we have a giant surplus. You, 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 one of the reasons we have this giant crisis right now is half your bill is the global adjustment. That's where they pay for all these additional contracts. Eventually, as our population grows, uh, as our economy grows, uh, we'll get rid of the surplus. But right now, we're giving away, just in the last three years alone, we've given away $3 billion of energy. We pay people, in some cases, to take our hydro, pay other states, and we charge you for it. So first step, stop signing new contracts. Second step, stop the fire sale of Hydro One. Patrick Brown on the airwaves earlier today. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Drop me a line, Beyond the News at CFRA.com, with your own hydro nightmare story. When we come back, we'll dig in a little bit more to this climate story of how Justin Trudeau is going to charge you more money to breathe, to do anything, and how it will do nothing for the environment. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News.
He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Which said explicitly that putting a price on carbon pollution right across the country in every province was an essential part of meeting our carbon, uh, our, our climate change targets and our commitments to both international community through Paris and to Canadians. Oh, big JT, Justin in the House of Commons announcing the price on carbon earlier today. And he's saying that this is the, that clip, that was all about him saying how this is to live up to the Vancouver declaration that he made with the other ministers and so on earlier this year, except mm, in the statement issued by Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall, he said, this is a betrayal of the statements made by the prime minister in Vancouver this this March. A betrayal of what they said. I was going to throw to Scott Moe, who's Saskatchewan's environment minister. He was just on with uh, Don Martin on CTV's Power Play, which is a replay, so don't go watch it. Um, but he's just off, and now Elizabeth May's on it. Do I really want to do that to you? Email me. If you want to hear Elizabeth May, email me. And if not, I'll just take that as um, we don't need to hear it. Since I've already started on the Brad Wall's statement, Brad Wall's statement on Justin Trudeau unilaterally imposing a price on carbon today by announcing it in the House of Commons while environment ministers were meeting with all the provincial and territorial environment ministers were meeting with federal environment minister Catherine McKenna in Montreal to talk about this issue. And Trudeau stood up in the House of Commons and announced the price on carbon and that we're going to ratify the Paris Agreement. Wall said of the price on carbon being announced, I cannot believe that while the country's environment ministers were meeting on a so-called collaborative climate change plan, the prime minister stood in the House of Commons and announced a carbon tax unilaterally. This meeting is not worth the CO2 emissions it took for environment ministers to get there. This is going to cost Justin Trudeau an awful lot of capital. Unfortunately, it's going to cost you and I an awful lot of money. The government proposes that the price on carbon pollution should start at a minimum of $10 per ton. Stop it there. We got to play it again. Stop it there. It's not carbon pollution, you dunderhead. It is not carbon pollution. Stop with this phraseology. It's carbon, it's not pollution. I'll show you pollution. Work in some of the areas that I have, Justin, not as a snowboard instructor. I'll show you pollution. Play it again. The government proposes that the price on carbon pollution should start at a minimum of $10 per ton in 2018, rising by $10 each year to $50 per ton in 2022. $50 $50 per ton by 2022. Starts at 10 goes to 50 in four years. That's something. That's going to cost us a pretty penny. Now, don't worry, we'll get to this in a moment. He said it's going to be revenue neutral for the government, but it's going to cost you and I a pretty penny. Canadian Taxpayers Federation claims it will cost us $2,600 for the average family. Now, it will depend on where you live and what system your province chooses. But he says the provinces have a choice as long as they do what he says. 
Provinces and territories will have a choice in how they implement this pricing. They can put a direct price on carbon pollution, or they can adopt a cap-and-trade system with the ex expectation that it be stringent enough to meet or exceed the federal benchmark. So as long as you do what I say, it's all good. Now, listen for the key words in here. Revenue neutral for the federal government. Provinces keep the money. So your province could make out like a bandit on this. And I think Kathleen will win. We'll try that. But it's going to be revenue neutral, says JT. Whatever approach is chosen, this policy will be revenue neutral for the federal government. All revenues generated under this system will stay in the province or territory where they are, they are generated. Applaud a carbon tax. Liberals love taxes, don't they? Woohoo! I don't know about you, but I'm not excited by it. I'm not excited by this at all. Neither are the premiers. Brian Pallister, out in Manitoba, thinks this is going to damage his provincial economy. We're working very hard on a, on a plan that I think will excite Manitobans, work, have us do our part, and not damage our economy in the process. Now, for those of you saying, well, Pallister's just a PCer, and he doesn't like Trudeau. Well, the, premi uh, the uh, environment ministers for Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, both liberal, walked out of the meeting today. They walked out. They were so infuriated that Trudeau was imposing this when he claimed that it would be collaborative that they stood up and walked out. And Alberta, under Rachel Notley, the new Democrat premier, who has been raving, just raving, about what they want to do for climate change, what they want to do for their own carbon tax. She's annoyed as well because she's like, wait a minute. Beyond the whole issue of you're imposing this on us, you're imposing this on Alberta and, by the way, Ontario, but Kathleen Wynne will never stand up for the province while Justin Trudeau is in power. But Rachel Notley, who is a soulmate, an ideological soulmate of the Trudeau liberals who have gone to the left of the NDP, she's on side with them. And even she is annoyed at all of this. Albertans, as you know, have contributed to Canada's prosperity uh, for many, many years. And uh, now we are saying, in order for us to continue doing that, in order for us to come back from the uh, oil price crash that we're all experiencing from, we need Canada to have our backs. Uh, well, for that, you would have to have elected something other than a Liberal government, which Alberta contributed to, but mostly it's Atlantic Canada and Ontario that did it. Let's be honest. This is going to be a huge cash grab. It is going to be a drain on the economy, and it will do nothing for the environment. It is not carbon pollution, plain and simple. And for everyone saying, but Brian, it's the hottest year on record. The United Nations... The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has not changed their statement where they said that warming stopped in 1998. And they do not know what the warming was. Was it between 
negative 0.05 degrees Celsius to positive 0.15 degrees Celsius. That's what they, they, they think it was in there, but they're not sure. But any significant warming stopped in 1998. And when they say it's the warmest year on record, one, it doesn't go through the same, uh, the same standard as what the UNIPC has gone through, and that itself has problems. But also, you would think that it's gone up 2 and 3 degrees a year. No, we're talking about degrees of degrees. It is absolutely ridiculous. Me, it's turning to winter. I want it hot. Don't like the cold. Speaking of which, just before we go to break, uh, coming up at 8.35, you're going to have your chance to, um, well, be able to say so long, suckers, come January, because that will be your next chance to qualify for a trip down to the tropics. There's a different trip every week. Uh, this week's sun-drenched destination is an amazing five-star, all-inclusive hotel in Playa, Playa Cayo, Santa Maria in Cuba. And it's all courtesy of Air Transat and TripCentral.ca. Your next chance to qualify, 835. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Well, if you're not familiar with those dulcet tones, that is Kanye West. Uh, why is he in the news again? Well, because his wife had a rather traumatic incident. In fact, she was robbed at gunpoint while in Paris, which resulted in Kanye West, who was in New York City, performing a concert to do this. I'm sorry, it's a family emergency. I have to stop the show. That's right, he wasn't dropping the mic and walking off stage because it was so good. He was dropping the mic and walking off stage to deal with a family emergency. I can only imagine what it was like to be robbed at gunpoint. What's bothering me about this story is the way so many people are reacting to it. Folks are used to laughing at the Kardashians, uh, laughing at Kanye West. They can be a bit much sometimes. I get that. But what I don't get is laughing, the schadenfreude that's going on, laughing at someone who's just gone through a traumatic incident, laughing at uh, her husband who, I don't know... uh, what you're like, but if this was happening to to my wife, to one of my loved ones, what, what would I want to do? I, I would want to go and find them and kill them, and he can't do that because he's in New York on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Devin Soltendeek has been following this for eTalk Daily. He joins me now, and Devin, fill me in on, on some of the details because I know you're, you're following it more closely, but, you know, in Paris with her sisters and... Then what happened? When did it happen? How did how did yeah. all this go down? Well, so basically to kind of catch everybody up, uh, Kanye uh, Kanye West is in New York, as you mentioned, uh, doing a concert. Kim Kardashian has been in Paris for Fashion Week that is going on there, uh, going to a bunch of shows. Uh, her uh, sisters were there as well. Uh, one of her sisters is uh, a very successful model as well. 
uh, Kendall, who's walking in a lot of these shows. Uh, they all share the same manager, which is their mother. Uh, so usually they're all at these kinds of events together. Uh, wh- they all went out for dinner after the fashion shows. Kim Kardashian, who uh, does not drink. She does not drink at all. Uh, she says she's never done drugs in her life either. She does not go out late very often. She'll do club appearances occasionally, but uh, I don't think she's uh, had a drink in, in years and years and years. Uh, so kind of so this hard partying. She, she's um, not the, the party girl. She's not a- the party, she's after not a party the girl at all. She's, she'll show up for events to get paid. Uh, and, you know, she's always the first to leave, which is exactly what happened. She left dinner, uh, was tired, and uh, and decided to go back to her uh, apartment, which is uh, a luxury complex. It's not a hotel necessarily, um, but imagine it is a kind of a very secure uh, condo complex. It's called the No Name uh, Hotel. Uh, it's known in Paris. A lot of very famous, very wealthy people stay there because it's got all of the uh, kind of accoutrements that a luxury, huge uh, apartment would have that is not technically a hotel. Uh, And we're told about 3 a.m. while her sisters were still out, uh, including Kim's bodyguard was with them protecting them because they share a bodyguard. We should talk about that after and why that's a bad idea afterwards. But um, five men in police uniforms uh, went to the concierge, convinced him to open the door. Uh, apparently, they were very plausible uniforms, very believable. Uh, once they opened the door, or the, once the concierge opened the door, uh, they had him at gunpoint, forced him to open Kim Kardashian's apartment, where she was in the apartment by herself sleeping. Uh, she woke up to a gun to her head, uh, and uh, she, from uh, all the reports we're reading, was uh, you know begging for her life. She's got two young children at home uh, and was... Um, was, um, you know, basically pleading and begging for her life. And, and uh, you know, I, I, when, I, when I hear that, I, it just makes me feel sick to my stomach, uh, even thinking about. Um, but uh, anyway, long yeah, yeah, I can imagine what, what Kanye felt like when he heard about this. No, I can't, especially considering you're, you literally can do nothing. The crime has already occurred. You're thousands of miles away. Uh, You'd all feel you helpless. Do, yeah, well, he is helpless. I mean, what, what's yeah. the guy going to do? Uh, luckily, the kids weren't there, um, and uh, she was tied up. Uh, she had, I think, tape over her mouth. She had millions and millions of dollars worth in, in diamonds and jewelry stolen. I think some reports are between 10 and $14 million. Uh, and she boarded a plane uh, as soon as she could after she was interviewed by police uh, and is now back in New York in the apartment that she shares with her husband and children. So uh, pretty shocking stuff. I mean, I, I, you never really know what to expect with this family, and, and obviously there's there's a lot of pranking that goes on online. I wasn't sure what to make of it when I first read the story, but um, it's uh, Okay, scary. so it's but for, for those people that think this is a prank or are just saying, well, this this is a stunt done for publicity. Yeah. You, you, you watch no, these no, folks no, a lot. No. And no. any chance of that? No, I no, no, I don't think so. I mean, no, the, the, no. It, look, there's so many easier ways to to do that. It's just not like if you're gonna if you're gonna do a ratings push. I mean, I don't even think they're sh- they're they're shooting their show right now. So you know, even if they start shooting in a couple of months, they got to shoot a whole thing. They've got to edit it, then they've got to put it together. Eight months from now, when it hits the air, it will be it'll be old news. I mean, it it, it doesn't work. There are mm-hmm. easier ways to. Uh, 
to I guess you know create media buzz. Uh, but no, this is it, it, this is not one of them. Bu- buying matching Ferraris like two of her sisters did. that that right. might work, right? Right. Uh, right. But I mean, this is a family that doesn't need publicity. That, well, they're very that, good I mean, at, at getting them. people's attention and keeping people's attention. The problem is, is that. Um, you know, she's probably one of the most recognizable faces on the face of the earth, other, you know, maybe than, uh, you know, uh, royalty or the president of the United States. I mean, she's very, very recognizable. She's also very rich. I think she made about $60 million last year. Her husband makes a lot of money as well. Uh, and the idea that, you know, she is that well-known, that wealthy, uh, and just travels with a single bodyguard who was not there at the time uh, begs a whole bunch of questions uh, as to how well protected she and her family are. Uh, you know, the, the, the game has changed in a lot of ways. I mean, now with, with social media, with paparazzi, and um, just, you know, being able to track people. I mean, she puts stuff up on Snapchat. She puts stuff on Instagram, you know. Like, mm-hmm. uh, when you talk to police, I mean, uh, they will tell you if you go on vacation. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about celebrities here. You know, if, if you go on vacation now, it's probably not a good idea to post vacation pictures until you're back home. Because if you're posting on social media that you're on vacation, you know, somebody who might be wanting to rob your house knows that you're not at home. Exactly. Uh, and this is a huge problem with social media with, with everyday people like you and I. Uh, but it's especially problematic when you add in uh, a celebrity component, especially somebody as famous as, as Kim Kardashian. I mean, she's Snapchatting and, and taking Instagram pictures of her $4 million engagement ring or wedding ring, uh, you know, Everybody knows you, – you know where these people are staying because there's photographers huddled around, um, you know, and it's it, – you know, look, it's, 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 it's really problematic. As far as sharing one bodyguard for uh, the three sisters yeah. and I suppose their mother, that probably is a bad idea. Uh, you know, I, I know people that are uh, not quite as well off uh, but mm-hmm. still rather wealthy that have had to use uh, protective services – and for their family, they used, you know, a, a team, a team yeah. around them, uh, because you've got uh, you, you've well, got several I mean, of them traveling. You need several people keeping eyes out and for various reasons. Sure. I, I don't know what like what the legalities are of protective services. Uh, you know, like, for example, she's got an American bodyguard. Would he be able to be armed in a foreign country, especially like in, in France? I mean, I, I don't know what the logistics of that are. I will say this, though. I mean, a lot of people are saying. You know, where was the bodyguard? I mean, if the bodyguard had been home at that time, he may may very well have been shot. I mean, who knows what would have happened? Because this is a guy who's pretty tough. He recently took down another guy who tried to assault Kim Kardashian in the street in Europe uh, a couple of days ago. I think he's like a judo master. This guy is hes no joke. He's a professional but, bodyguard. Is- no doubt he would have tried to insert himself in the situation. And maybe this would have ended much more tragically. Three, um, three in the morning, there's a good chance he would have been sleeping and waking up with a pistol at his head. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it, it's a horrible incident, and um, feel horrible for uh, the whole family, the Kardashians and uh, and Wesley's. Just yeah, I mean, obviously there will be a lot of emotional trauma as a result of this. That luckily the kids were not there, um, and you know, luckily uh, we're only talking about uh, you know damages uh, in terms of uh, you know monetary loss. It's not a loss of life. Uh, my guess is that we probably will not see a lot of her uh, in the next couple of days, maybe the next couple of weeks. Uh, she's understandably traumatized. And, and look, I mean, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it takes moments like this, unfortunately, to, uh, you know, really make you understand what is important in life. And, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens after this. But, 
Yeah, I, I don't really. I mean, it's it's hard to know what to say in these kinds of circumstances because it's 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 such an extraordinary circumstance, it's such an extraordinary uh, story and storyline as it always is with this uh, with this family. But you know, I think one of the things you know, your your listeners can probably take away from, and and you know that we can take away from as well is you know sometimes you don't need to post everything on social media. You don't need to be you know Snapchatting your entire life, especially if you're home by yourself or you've got expensive things in your home, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it probably is a good idea to exercise a little bit of discretion sometimes. All right, Devin, thanks for the time. Okay, thank you. Devin Sultan deek from eTalk Daily. And, of course, this is, at heart, a family going through a traumatic time. They are humans, just like the rest of us. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Wouldn't you just love that? This is why the phone lines are lighting up right now. Everyone would love this. Air Transat and TripCentral.ca are giving you the chance, along with News Talk 580 CFRA, to, on one of those really cold winter mornings, to just say, so long, suckers, I'm out of here. Every week for the next four weeks, we're giving a chance to win a trip to a sun-drenched destination. Somewhere in the tropics. Where's it going to be next week? I don't know. They don't trust me with that information yet. And if they did tell me and I told you, then I'd have to kill you. But this week... The destination is a five-star, all-inclusive resort in Santa Maria, Cuba, the Hotel Playa Cayo. You can pack your bags and head south courtesy of Air Transat and TripCentral.ca. Your next chance to qualify after this is going to be 935. Well, I know you've been hearing, what am I doing with all these statements on climate change? I don't care about that anymore. Maybe you do. Maybe we'll talk about it later on. But right now, I don't care about it. Right now, what I want to talk about is Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and the biased media and Trump's taxes. Right? Because you've been hearing all about Donald Trump's taxes and the fact that, well, he didn't pay enough. This is according to a report out of the New York Times. He didn't pay enough because he had a big loss. Trump acknowledged that he may not have paid full taxes every year because of his loss. As a businessman and real estate developer, I have legally used the tax laws to my benefit. There's nothing wrong with that. That is completely allowed, completely allowed to use the tax laws to your benefit. But Hillary Clinton attacked Donald Trump on this, first on Twitter, where she just ran with the speculation in the New York Times saying Trump apparently got to avoid paying taxes for nearly two decades while tens of millions of working families paid theirs. This is because of a huge loss that Trump took on his taxes. I think it's about $915 million. Hillary Clinton utilized a similar loss on her taxes, the taxes that she has put down for 2015. These are taxes that she publicly released. So why she would go around attacking Donald Trump for this when she's ca- uh, calling the same loss, but hers, it's not $915 million, it's only 700000 I don't know about you, but I can't, 
I can't fathom losing 700000 or $915 million. I'm just a peasant, apparently. These guys lost $700,000. They took the same capital loss carryover deduction as Donald Trump did in the tax return from 1995 that the New York Times has been going nuts on. Have you been hearing about that anywhere? Have, you, have they been talking about it? No. Not at all. But they are willing to bring out person after person to talk about Donald Trump's taxes and quizzing people like former New York City mayor and Trump surrogate Rudy Giuliani. I'm a genius at how to take advantage of legal remedies that can help your company survive and grow. These are legal remedies. It's there for a reason. You take a huge loss. You can write that off against future taxes. Guess what? I don't know if it's to the same degree, but you can do that in Canada as well. You can do that whether you're a small business person or a big business. doesn't matter. But they're going after Trump on this and ignoring Hillary's publicly released tax forms that show the same thing. And then there's this. Rudy Giuliani comparing Trump to Hillary and everyone's making a big deal over that he paused after the word woman and saying, ah, shows he's sexist. Don't you think a man who has this kind of economic genius is a lot better yes. for the United States than a, a woman? And the only thing she's ever produced uh, is a lot of work for the FBI uh, checking out her emails. Do you really think that when he said, then a woman, that he just meant, then a woman? Uh, do you think that's what he meant? No. He meant a woman who hasn't produced anything. Uh, she produced Chelsea. Bravo to her. Kudos. Salutes to all mothers. That's great. But no, she has not produced anything other than, as he said, a lot of work for the FBI to investigate her emails. Hmm. Hmm. Hillary Clinton. She can attack Donald Trump all she wants on this. It only works if she and the media continue to collude to ignore the fact that she's taking the same deduction. But guess what? They're going to do that, and so Clinton gets away with lines like this, which get fed down the wire service to every radio station and TV station across North America. Yesterday his campaign was bragging it makes him a genius. Here's my question. What kind of genius loses a billion dollars in a single year? This is Trump to a T. Well, what kind? Uh, the kind of people that are are playing with a lot more than a single billion in the market. You have to play big to lose big. Am I going to sit here and say Donald Trump is a brilliant businessman? No, I've never claimed that. In fact, I've claimed the opposite. But you you can't go around making these statements without looking at a, a little bit of perspective, a little bit of reality. And she looks at no reality. And neither, by the way, do the mainstream media covering this. Not for one second do they bother to say, oh, did she do that too? It's kind of like during the, the convention season. Remember, Donald Trump was attacked for saying, well, he attacked a military family that lost someone. He attacked Kaiser Khan. Yeah. Yeah, it was Kaiser Khan. It, like, they, they lost a son. Mm-hmm. Who did Hillary Clinton attack that 
spoke at the Republican National Convention? Oh, right, Patricia Smith, who lost her son, Sean, in the terror attacks on Benghazi. She was never called out on that. And she never will be called out on that, nor will she be called out for uh, taking on the family of uh, Glenn Doherty or Tyrone Woods. Never. Even though they have said the same thing. And she turns around and says, well, they just can't remember. They're too grief-stricken. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, so you're saying a military family that lost loved ones doesn't know what they're talking about. Isn't that an attack on them? Only if you're a Republican, I suppose. But Hillary Clinton gets to, you know, just say line after line. It doesn't get fact-checked. It gets fed down the wires, and it gets repeated, 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 repeated. Doesn't look like he paid a dime of federal income tax for almost two decades. Now, while millions of American families, including mine and yours, we're working hard, paying our fair share. It seems he was contributing nothing to our nation. So, looks like they're basing this off a 1995 tax return that showed a big loss. And then they extrapolated out of that and said, okay, if he made this and if he did that, then he could have done this and maybe he did. If my aunt had wheels, she'd be, my, uh, she'd be a bus. Sorry, I was confusing lines there. The other one is, if my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. But you get my point. If, 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 it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. And this is being put forward by the New York Times. Or as Mark Levin perhaps appropriately calls it, the New York Slimes. If you think that Fox News is biased in favor of Republicans, then you have to believe that the New York Times is biased in favor of liberal Democrats. I don't know how you can have one without the other. I'm not saying Fox isn't. I'm just saying the New York Times is as well. And if Fox had come out with a story like this against Hillary Clinton, everyone would be picking it apart. So why aren't they picking apart this story? Oh, because it goes against Trump. Bottom line. That's it. That's all. I don't know if you heard over the weekend, but WikiLeaks was saying that they were set to make a big announcement tomorrow morning. Tuesday, they were going to be making a big announcement. All about Hillary Clinton. It's kind of to celebrate the 10th year of registering the domain WikiLeaks.org. They've published hundreds of pieces of information over that time. Normally, in this part of the world, we only pay attention when it's something involving Canada or the State Department down in the U.S. But they've also published an awful lot against dictatorial regimes, including Russia. And yes, I include Russia in dictatorial regimes. And so while I've had my issues with WikiLeaks over the years, they have also pushed hard to try and make sure that they don't care who they're going after. They'll go after anyone. And they reject the idea that they're getting their information on the Democratic National Committee and, and the, um, the Hillary Clinton campaign from the Russians. They were set to do what they called a big announcement about Hillary Clinton. This was a potential October surprise that would change 
everything in the election campaign. Julian Assange, uh, the head of WikiLeaks, was going to make the announcement himself from the balcony of the Ecuadorian embassy, where he's been hiding out since he was charged in in absentia with charges related to rape, which he says are false and trumped up, and he refuses to go and face the the charges because he is uh, concerned that Sweden would just extradite him to the United States to face espionage charges. So he's been holed up for years in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, England. And he was scheduled to make an announcement and do this big reveal from the balcony of that embassy. That has since been canceled due to security reasons. They're worried that he won't survive if he's out there. We're going to see something big come over the next little while. And it's not just going to be another case of Trump putting his foot in his mouth and tweeting at 3 a.m. from his toilet. It's going to be something else. We're hearing that the Trump Foundation's being investigated by authorities. Convenient. Still not investigating the Clinton Foundation, despite well-documented evidence that it is a crooked, crooked regime. But hey, it's Bill Clinton. He can do whatever he wants. Just ask Juanita Broderick. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Absolutely has to be one of the most recognizable pieces of music in Canada. I wouldn't say around the world, but in Canada, you play that music, everyone knows what it is. Although one time, I remember I was doing a play with um, a young woman whose father had been in the NHL for many years. And we're sitting next to each other at an event. As I say, we're in a play together, but it was one of these uh, social events that you do on in the middle of the long rehearsal play, uh, period leading up to opening night. And someone starts playing the theme song to Hockey Night in Canada, and she's saying, what is that? I know that music. I know that song. What is it? Uh, it's Hockey Night in Canada. She felt a little sheepish about that, given that she'd watched her dad play countless times on TV. going to talk about CBC in a minute, but, I, you know, this song, this music has stories for me, so yeah, I'm going to tell them. Did a lot of writing about this when I worked at Sun about CBC losing the theme song for Hockey Night in Canada to Bell Media. CTV, TSN, they can use hockey, the Hockey Night in Canada theme song. CBC cannot. And I'm doing a radio hit with a... Station down in Toronto happens to be a, a Roger station. I've long been on radio stations of all sorts and brands all across the country. And I'm on with Andrew Crystal. And, it, you know, we've just broken about how they lost the uh, 
Hockey Night in Canada theme song, how CBC lost it. They they were able to keep it going if they wanted it, and they fumbled. They literally fumbled it all. They they iced the puck. Let's use a hockey term. They screwed up. What did Andrew Crystal says to me? What moron allowed this to happen? As I said, this was at this point a Roger station. The guy that had been heading up CBC Sports had since gone over to Roger Sports, and his name's Scott Moore, who was essentially Andrew's boss. And I said, uh, I think you call him your boss, Scott Moore. Oh, he didn't know what to say. The reason I'm bringing up CBC and Hockey Night in Canada is that Friday night I went on a rant against the state broadcasting over their expansion into other areas well beyond their mandate. Well beyond their mandate. And I told you about a couple of different people that had gone before a committee and just blasted them who had taken uh, CBC to task, who had said that the fact is they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. And I don't want to, I wanted to bring that to you because it's important to point out that these people are not like me. I've long been a CBC critic, and often what I say about the state broadcaster, people roll their eyes. If they're fans, they roll their eyes and they just say, oh, well, it's Lily. He doesn't like them. I used to like them a lot. And then I got up close to them, and I didn't like what I saw. This is a bloated, arrogant, out-of-touch organization that wastes a ton of money and competes with the private sector in ways they shouldn't. And so for years I've been warning first broadcasters, then newspaper executives, these guys are going to come in and eat your lunch. And now they're starting to figure it out. And so last Thursday, it was the Heritage Committee. John Hondrich of the Toronto Star, which I want to remind you, is a left-wing organization. They are the official paper of the Toronto, of the Liberal Party of Canada. He's not a conservative by any means. It's built into their, uh, you know, their uh, foundational organization, the Atkinson Principles. They are left-wing. And they used to run a section on their website praising CBC, reimagining CBC, it was called. And Hondrich went to the committee to tell them that as a newspaper proprietor, CBC is now his biggest competitor for his newspaper, and he wants changes. If you were to ask me, I'm going to volunteer this, who is our biggest newspaper competitor today? CBC. Yeah. CBC.ca. Spending incredibly on its website, unlimited resources, and able to take advertising. You want to deal with an issue, you can look at the BBC model, where, in fact, they have exactly the same situation, and they built up a huge digital presence, but on the BBC, they're not allowed to take advertising. There's an, there's an issue for you to discuss. BBC, if you are in, B, in, in Britain and you're on a BBC website, you will not see advertising. But if you and I go from Canada, then you'll see advertising. It ensures that British taxpayers are not competing against themselves. Not a bad idea. Then there's James Baxter. He is the man that started up iPolitics. This is a guy who saw a niche market. He saw something that he said, I can fill a void here. And he decided to start something up. Now, this is important because 
all of CBC's uh, supporters will say, well, when they expand into things like running an opinion website, which is their latest expansion, they're going to run a newspaper editorial page with just a bunch of columns. They hired Robin Urbach away from the uh, National Post to run it. And their supporters say, well, they're filling a void. They're they're servicing an underserved market. There's nothing underserved about uh, newspaper editorial pages, not at all. There's a ton of columnists across the country published of all sorts, including Tom Parkins, who was on this radio station earlier today. Big lefty writes in the Sun tabloids. When they go into places like Hamilton, Kelowna, or London, and they open up digital-only radio stations, so they don't actually broadcast, they just do it online. And they say, well, we're, we're, we're looking after underserved markets. Bullcrap. There are two different talk stations in London, Ontario. Bell owns one, Chorus owns the other. In Hamilton, there's a whole pile of stations, including a private local TV station, a daily newspaper, a host of radio stations. Same in Kelowna. So James Baxter goes before the committee and he says CBC's practices are that of an uber predator. The CBC was created with two purposes, to provide a bulwark against American cultural imperialism and to fill a void in rural areas where commercial news was not viable. While the CBC has done many wonderful things, it is important to know that from my vantage point, it is not some wonderful benevolent entity. It is an uber predator. Because of the nature of its web content, the CBC is not out there competing with Huffington Post and CNN. It is competing directly with the Globe and Mail, Post Media, and, yes, iPolitics. Beyond competing, this is the part that I found really interesting about Baxter, and I hope to get him on the air. James Baxter told the committee that CBC and their practices are having a chilling effect on entrepreneurs like him that want to start up something local, that want to start up something niche, that say there's a hole in the market, and then along comes CBC and starts scaring away investors. Funding the CBC has, prof- has a profoundly chilling effect on would-be entrepreneurs in this country, particularly when there are no undertakings on how and where that money is going to be spent. Investors are justifiably reticent to put their money into a market even when there is a clear void in that market because of the likelihood that once they prove the viability, the CBC will begin shifting funds there to compete against them. That is the biggest single obstacle to there being a vibrant and innovative marketplace of ideas in the media space. CBC, the biggest single obstacle to an innovative marketplace of ideas in the media landscape. Isn't that worth noting? Isn't that worth considering? checking out, thinking about, maybe reining in the CBC. I've long said they should be sold off. But that's not going to happen, especially not with this current government. They're the third-place network and a third-place television race. They are spending millions in areas that have nothing to do with their mandate. If we can't shut them down, if we can't sell them off, can they at least stick to their parliamentary mandate? Is that too much to ask? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. 
It is not some wonderful benevolent entity. It is an uber predator. That's not James Baxter talking about the Ottawa Hospital in the Civic Campus. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about the state broadcaster, CBC. And what does he call CBC? It is not some wonderful benevolent entity. It is an uber predator. Oh, wait, one more time. It's a what? It is an uber predator. An uber predator. Do you have thoughts on the state broadcaster? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFR. Lucky night in Canada under me. CBC used to be something that we all listened to, or that we all watched, at least on Saturday nights, back when they had a little show called Hockey Night in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just keep that going under me nice and low. We all watched when Peter Puck was on, and Dave Hodge, and then Ron McLean, and Don Cherry. But do you care now that they don't have hockey? I mean, are you really glued to Peter's panel? That's what I call it. I know they call it the the at issue panel. It's very important. Peter flies you down to Toronto, puts you up at an illustrious hotel, hmm, and then you opine on. Peter's panel. But really, it's the third place national newscast in a three horse race. In much of the country, unless CBC Radio is the only radio station you get, they don't do all that well. So we're talking about a thing that Canadians pay an awful lot for, but they don't spend an awful lot of time watching or listening to. Do you have thoughts on CBC? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. Let me know what you think about CFRA, or about CBC. Do you have thoughts on the state broadcaster? Also want to throw this by you. Montreal has brought in a pit bull band. Now, if you'd asked me and said, what do we need to do? Yeah, some dogs have been violent. Some dogs have attacked. You know what? That can happen with any dog. That can happen with any, trust me, I got two. I got a Black Lab Retriever Cross and a West Highland Terrier. Guess which one is the nastiest? The West Highland Terrier, the little one. And little tiny body, little tiny mouth, guess what? They can do damage. In my view, it's not the dog you have to worry about. It's the owner. I don't know how you ban owners. But I figure if you're walking your pit bull around on a metal pole, you probably shouldn't have a dog. Callum's looking at me like I'm crazy. You never seen anybody walk around a... Pit bull on a metal pole. And normally they look like you. They got the shaved head and uh, the dog's on a metal pole. Hey, I'm being told to settle down. I'm just saying it's a bad thing. If my hair weren't all messed up, I'd shave my head too. It's it's not fully shaved, by the way. You can't see Callum. But uh, it doesn't have to quaff like me. But I only have to quaff like I do because there's so many cow licks on it. But I digress. You see these guys walking around. They've got... 
their wallet on a chain and their dog on a metal pole. And you're looking at them and saying, okay, I'm steering clear of this dog. Not afraid of dogs, but sometimes you just look and you're like, I want to stay clear of those folks. How do you deal with that? Well, Montreal brought in a pit bull ban. Much like Ontario did, and by the way, the Ontario pit bull ban has not worked. How many pit bulls do you see out there? There are plenty. And how long has it been in effect? About a decade? And it's you're still seeing pit bulls? Young ones at that? Not just old ones. They're not all old and gray and moving slow. If you're a dog owner, you know what I'm talking about. The dog slows down a little bit. No, there's all kinds of new pit bulls out there. Well, the SPCA in Quebec has fought the pit bull ban, actually. And as you just heard in the news, Superior Court Judge uh, Louis uh, Gouin basically said the clauses that apply to pit bulls, not in effect. Sophie Glart says that means pit bull owners can rest easy all the way until Wednesday. Um, but he did order, as per our request, uh, that and from now until Wednesday, 5 p.m., the problematic dispositions of the bylaw, all the pro- dispositions dealing with quote-unquote pit bull-type dogs, uh, are without effect until Wednesday, 5 p.m. All right, so it's on Wednesday. He's going to issue his full ruling on this. But what do you make of these dog bands, these breed-specific dog bands? When I was a kid, it was German Shepherds, and then it became Doberman Pinsers. You don't even see Dobermans anymore. When was the last time you saw a Doberman pincer walking around? Do you even know what one is? I asked asked somebody about, so I'm pointing at Callum. You can't see me, but I'm pointing at Callum. I asked somebody his age about a Doberman pincer a while ago, and they said, what are you talking about? These really sleek, they're like skinny Rottweilers, hungry Rottweilers, right? They got the same coloring. They're fast. They're aggressive. Everyone was afraid of them. That was the dog to ban in the early 80s. You don't even see them anymore. Rottweilers were the next big scare. Then it became pit bulls. It's not the dog. It's the owner. It's like Sloan says. It's not the band I hate. It's their fans. It's not the dog. It's the owner. Maybe you have a different thought. If you do, call in. Challenge me. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. And then, of course, I want to ask you about Donald Trump. Donald Trump, who is being blasted for lowering his own taxes. As a businessman and real estate developer, I have legally used the tax laws to my benefit. And why shouldn't he? And why shouldn't you? We all have the right to lower our own taxes to the lowest possible rate within the law. As long as as long as he was within the law, then everything is golden. And I'm the only person that'll tell you this, at least on Canadian radio. Hillary Clinton used the same tax dodge. If it's a tax dodge for Trump, it's a tax dodge for Hillary. She claimed an almost $700,000 loss allows her to defer taxes in the future. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. Back with your calls, your emails, your thoughts in moments. 
Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. The government proposes that the price on carbon pollution should start at a minimum of $10 per ton in 2018, rising by $10 each year to $50 per ton in 2022. $50 a ton. It'll start at 10 It'll go to 50 It's a bargain, isn't it? I want to buy $50 a ton of anything, including carbon. What could I do with carbon? If I bought it all up, could I make something out of it? I don't know. 521-TALK, 521-8255-STAR-580 on Bell Mobility. Give me your thoughts on Trudeau's carbon tax. Uh, Guy, the Capital Voice, you are on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. I'm uh, just getting into this carbon tax thing, but I've been hearing about it for the past couple of years, and I need you to help me out with a couple of things. Um, There is carbon offsets and there's carbon credits. So it's basically almost like an accounting function. You've got debits and credits. Is that correct? It would appear that way, although I do think uh, both offsets and uh, credits to be, um, uh, again, channeling Matthew McConaughey. Bullshit. Okay, so you've got offsets, which basically carbon producers pay, and credits, which the green guys get. Is that correct? Is that how it works here? Yep. So there's a carbon trading market in which, let's say, a trucking company that blows uh, a few tons of carbon out has to pay into a tax or a fund, which is supposed to be revenue neutral. And somebody that does good green stuff gets those credits or gets our tax dollars. Could you explain exactly how the money flows, please? Well, you trade them through a market set up by the government or in the case of the uh, Chicago uh, exchange by Al Gore. Al Gore set up a carbon trading market and it was supposed to allow for this sort of thing to happen in the private sector. Mm Mm-hmm. And it failed spectacularly and shut down several years ago, but not before he made out like a bandit. So if I'm a trucking company and I basically buy diesel, am I going to be paying for that in the price of the gasoline? And the government uh, will be collecting it. Or it, I get a it, it, it may, like it, it, I don't know how it's going to be structured. And okay. Ontario, because of cap and trade, will be different. Um, but if it were a direct carbon tax... They may apply it directly to gasoline on cap and trade. They may say, okay, you're a trucking company. You drive so many kilometers a year. You are allowed this many emissions. Above that, you've got to buy credits. What they both amount to is what used to be called the Dane Geld. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the Dane Geld is, Guy? No, I don't. No, I don't. So you would pay the Danes a, a geld. You would pay the Danes a fee not to um, raid your village. Oh, I see. Like the feudal system that works. Yeah, you you yeah. are paying somebody a bribe, mm-hmm. and this is uh, this is the uh, what's a, another way you might describe it? Um, uh, you know, this is uh, this is essentially the the guilt uh, fee that you're going to pay right. like in this generation. Like paying protection to to use. Well, except it's more of a syntax sort of thing. Okay, syntax. Okay. So let me take it a step further. I was wondering today... An indulgence. Sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. You're paying for the indulgence. So let me tell you how this all evolved in my day today. After I heard, you know, uh, Little Tater talk about the $10 and sideswipe Catherine McKenna at the provincial meetings, and then Brad Wall came out about 4 o'clock... Oh, he didn't sideswipe her. She knew. 
exactly. So here's what I'm saying. And then I read John Iveson's article tonight. And I said to myself, is this a rookie, another rookie stupid move by an inexperienced government? Or is it really well strategically placed? And I read Iveson's article and it all became very clear. The question I really want to know is, Will the green energy people, the Samsungs, the George Smithermans, and the Mike Crawleys, the people that hold these green energy contracts, will they be again the winners on this carbon fiasco in Shambrine? Will they actually get money because they're green? Uh, some companies will. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Anyways, just on the, on the NCC thing, um, I find it very interesting. Pierre Polyev's got some teeth in again, I see. And that's good because he needs to put his teeth in. And I heard him tonight for the first time in a few years actually go an octave above and thank you, Pierre, for telling us what or explaining exactly the punt to the NCC for Melanie Jolie. And you mark my words, Brian, when the senators and LeBreton Flats comes down. The same thing's going to happen, <laughs> and the decision's going to be made in Montreal by the Laurentian elites and Mr. Baudouin and everything. You think that the senators will be playing down in LeBreton Flats anytime soon? They're going to use the same strategy. And to think that John Baird gave this land in 2008 for $1 from the federal government to the city, and we today are vacillating, and we've got Carruthers and Christensen and all of them saying, yeah, we just want it where well, it's supposed to be. You know what? You, you look, Christmas shame on you, Carbon Barbie. Shame on well, you. I, 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 I look, as far as uh, the, the head of the NCC goes, he's just been given his marching orders. And he's been yep. told, here's what you have to do. Exactly. Everyone has a boss. And I'm not saying, oh, he's, you know, he's Tuck Taylor or anything. No, he's been told, here, go do this for us. This isn't them looking to do it. No, not at all. And Lowell said it great last year. They're just undoing everything that the conservatives did that was good, and they don't care the ramifications, even how stupid it looks. And this is a classic example of the liberals again wearing egg on their face on a decision that should just not even well, be – like, just get back to business. Remember they, the liberals were um, – it was John Baird that helped secure the land for the Queensway Carlton yep. when the liberals wouldn't because yep. uh, the – there, there were calls for that to be purchased out at market rate. Guy, got to leave it there. Thanks okay, for the thank call. And uh, before we get, we're coming up about 10 minutes away. Before I go to the next call, what was the name of the qualifier? It's just disappeared. Jean Martel. Jean Martel was the latest qualifier, and your next chance to qualify is 935. So about 11 minutes from now. You'll have your chance to win or chance to qualify to go into the draw to you know, just when it's minus 35, when the wind chill says minus 50, just say, so long, suckers, I'm out of here and head off to a wonderful resort. We're giving away one over several weeks and your next chance to win is at 935. Right now, you're qualifying to go to a five-star all-inclusive Resort at Hotel Playa Cayo in Santa Maria, Cuba. We'll do that this week. Next week, it'll be a different resort, all courtesy of Air Transat and TripCentral.ca. On that note, make sure if you want to, if you want to have your say on the show, that you call in before we go to the news, because after that, it's all the people trying to win the contest, right? 
Dave in Ottawa, you are on Beyond the News. Thanks a lot, Brian. Uh, first of all, quickly on the Trump and the taxes thing. Mm-hmm. There is something actually in Canada called the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. And it's, it's uh, posted prominently in every Canada Revenue Agency office across the country. And one of the items in that, besides the fair and equal treatment, yada, 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 it says that you have the right to arrange your tax affairs to your benefit as long as it's done within the law. Absolutely. And it's, it's written right there in the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, posted prominently in our buildings. Good. That's as it should be. Look, I, me taking a, a, a tax break, if it's legal, how is, that, how is there any problem with that? There isn't. Now, I, was, I said I want to talk about the uh, carbon accord that uh, Trudeau announced. And <laughs> there's no accord. There, there's only the, disaccord, he's laid down the Dave. Law, yeah. He's laid down the law. What is done, though, what I wanted to say, nobody else has said yet, is he has simply given Kathleen Wynne carte blanche. He's written her his letter, letting her write her own check. Yeah. And those two are hand in glove, aren't exactly, they? Exactly, exactly. So where's the big surprise? Quebec, though, it's interesting. Trudeau was citing the Quebec premier saying this is all good, but Quebec's uh, uh, environment minister was yelling that this infringed on provincial jurisdiction. Not the only province to say that this infringed on provincial jurisdiction. And you know what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, watching question period, is that we are back to the bad old days. During the Harper years, you never had people... Well, I'm not going to say never. There were a couple of times, but it was rare that you had the block or anyone standing up and saying, you are infringing on Quebec's jurisdiction or provincial jurisdiction of any kind. Harper kept peace without giving giving the shop away. And Justin Trudeau has come back in and he's forcing things down the throats of the provinces on health care. You know, Harper said, I'm only giving you 3% after this, you know, such and such a year. Mm -hmm. And they bellyached. But he was still giving them a raise. Justin Trudeau is going in and telling them how to run their health care systems at the provincial level. He's telling them how they've got to run the environment, which is shared jurisdiction. He's telling them how, to, how they have to run their affairs. That will only lead to one direction with both Alberta and Quebec, and that is stoking the fires of the separatist movements. Exactly. Now, another thing, too, as, as, as that guy pointed out, I was very happy to hear Pierre Polyev stand up and, and, and say how the thing got to that Heritage Committee and why it's so wrong, and, and, and we got there. And again, it's, it's just one more thing. Of, of Like I said, that Trudeau government is hell-bent on undoing anything that the Harper government did. And no matter how good it was, if the Harper government did it, it's got to be undone. And sometimes that's the only reason. That they're changing it. That is the only reason they're changing it. I haven't seen them come with a good reason for stuff yet. Uh, Did you hear a single person complain about the relocation of the Civic Campus? Nope. It was all good until uh, the new government uh, and the the minister here, the local minister, uh, stood up and said, well, I want to look at this. Now all all the the friends of the farm and kind of people, like the thing we had the friends of Lansdowne, the friends of the farm are all and, and getting their nose into the situation now. Nobody was doing that before our, our, our venerable minister uh, decided she was going to change what Harper had done. Mm-hmm. Well, hope, hopefully sanity will prevail when it comes to the hospital, but we'll have to wait and see. Sanity will not prevail when it comes to the carbon tax. 
And so we're all just going to pay more. And, and don't forget to find out when that meeting is the last chance around for the uh, um, Constitution and, and to keep putting okay. it out more than once. I will give details on that meeting when we come back. Thanks for the call, Dave. Uh, and if you want to call and get in on the conversation, call now, 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. You wait another couple of minutes and it's going to be all those people trying to win that nice little trip down south, right? You know, you want to get in before them? 521-TALK, 521-8255. B-Lil, Beyond the News, back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I'm like, I just want to come out to the world, like, naked and be like... I look so hot. I am back. You all called me a whale, Shamu, a cow. That's one of countless clips on the internet designed to make Kim Kardashian look stupid. But, you know, to every woman out there that's given birth and you put on weight... And everyone says, oh, she's getting big. Oh, she, oh she, she put on the baby weight, didn't she? Is that such an odd thought process for her to have? She's a very public woman, and she's been was denounced at the time publicly for putting on weight. And now she's had the baby, and she's lost the baby weight, and thinks, hey, wouldn't it be great for me to just go out and show them that I'm all hot again? Is that such a horrible thing? But it it's one of many clips up there on the internet just designed to make Kim Kardashian look stupid. And now that she's been robbed, held up at gunpoint. You know, if you heard the interview I did with uh, Devin uh, uh, Solendik from eTalk Daily, he describes it as five guys showing up in police uniforms. They convinced the concierge to open the door to the hotel. Oh, we're here on official business. So he opens the door, and then he has a gun to his head. So then he's forced to open Kim Kardashian's room. She wakes up with a gun to her head. She's tied up, gagged, and robbed. Her life is threatened. I did a piece for The Rebel. I'll post it on Facebook in a couple of minutes. Did a piece on the rebel, similar to my interview with Devin, saying, like, look, why why are people wanting to roll their eyes at this woman? Why are they wanting to denounce this woman? The piece is posted online, and I've got all kinds of people denouncing her online. I just simply don't get it. I don't care who you are. That is a harrowing experience. It is a horrifying experience. I would not want to go through that. And I doubt you would. Whether the person is rich or poor, educated or an imbecile, don't we have a degree of decency to show to our fellow man when they're going through something bad? I'm not a huge fan of Kanye West, I have some respect for the Kardashians for taking little skill and turning it into an empire. 
good for them. But I don't get the the eye rolling. I don't get the outrage. Maybe you do. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. And if you are still waiting on the line, well then, we have our qualifiers. So, I'm just putting everyone on hold. So, we've got our qualifier. Andy Dolgan is the latest qualifier to go to... Hotel Playa Cayo, Santa Maria in Cuba. Your next chance to qualify is tomorrow, 735 on the Morning Rush with Bill Carroll. And it goes all day, and then you can qualify again with me tomorrow night, 835 and 935. Your chance to go to a five-star, all-inclusive resort in Santa Maria, Cuba, courtesy of Air Transat and TripCentral.ca. It's just your chance to say, so long, suckers. I'm out of here. Bye, suckers. But if you're calling in, we already have our qualifiers. If you want to call in and talk on the program, 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. Where do you come down on, on the Kardashian thing? Do you feel sympathy for her? Do you just want to ridicule her because she's rich? You know, we, we do have that Occupy Wall Street class warfare mentality going on right now. This idea that just because somebody is a celebrity, somebody is wealthy, we can mock them for everything. Now, you do something stupid, fine, I get it. You're throwing yourself out there in the public eye, I get it. I mean, to a, a small degree, I actually get it. I got it on the weekend at the Metcalf Fair. I'm just trying to take my kids on rides. And I'm getting an earful from people that don't like what I say. Mostly, mostly all weekend, it was running into people that uh, love what I had to say. Wanted, just wanted to say, hey, thank you very much. But, yeah, this one guy was getting pretty heated. I was a little surprised. They eventually had to say, look, I'm here at the fair looking to take my kids on rides. Kim Kardashian has that multiplied by a billion or the $14 million in jewelry that she had stolen. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Gloria in Ottawa. Gloria, you're calling it about Trudeau's numbers. You're yes. excited about paying these taxes, though, aren't you? Well, I'll tell you. You know, to me, sneaky behind-your-back Trudeau, him and his forced carbon tax, was to me, it was already planned. And he's nothing but a puppet, and he's just following orders. Number one, where does he get his actual carbon uh, tax uh, numbers from in order to quote exact costs so we, so we can scrutinize them? I mean, what tonnage is, uh, numbers is he using? He's, it, this is such a scam. I mean, it, 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 the thing is, he could care less about the crushing taxes that are uh, that uh, him and Wynn are implementing, and and uh, you know he he's really to me he's very ruthless and he could care less how much uh, the, the, number one the taxes are, are unnecessary because we're only one point six of the world's total which puts us right at the bottom. The world's total what, Gloria? Of one point six of carbon. One point six percent of the total. Food. 
of the world's carbon. Yes, 1.6%, which puts don't, us right at the bottom of the list, and we're probably in negative numbers. Don't go spreading facts now, Gloria. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I tell you something. Um, you know, the, the thing is, everything, every single thing that we buy will now cost us more, from food to clothing to, to uh, if you want to buy yourself a car, if, if, if you know, if to fill up your tank of gas, it includes everything. This is, a, 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 to me, Canada has sunk to a new low, and we, we, we are on the fast track to being bankrupt, the whole bloody country. The, the way he's throwing money around like it was his personal money. He, to me, he lives in a bubble, and he's never come out of it. He's throwing the, our, our billions around like he's the, big t- the last of the well, big-time spenders. He, he was born into a family that hasn't worked in two generations. Did you know that? Yes, I do know that. He's, he's, do, he's do you know what a, his grandfather— A boy man who never grew up. Do you know what his grandfather, who made all the money, made his money on? Pardon me? So Pierre Trudeau didn't have to work. Oh, I see. Right? That's, mm-hmm. So Justin Trudeau has n- never had to work. You know, no. He, no. Well, he's, okay. He's got a totally it, sheltered it, life. In fairness to him, in the early years, he had a stipend from his inheritance that was of in the range of about $20,000 a year, moving up to about 40000 Poor dear. Uh, yes. Now, you know, do you want to be living on 20000 in your... Late twenties, early thirties, probably not. So he he worked a little bit, but he didn't have to do no. things he didn't want to do. No, that's Sa- why all same he did was with his keyboard. father. Now, the grandfather is the one that made all the money. Do you know what the grandfather, Grandpappy Trudeau, made all the money in? Yeah, exactly. Do, no, no, I'm a, I'm asking no you, idea. Gloria. Do why? do you know what he made his money in? No, I don't. Oil and gas. Oh, for heaven's he sake. Ran gas, <laughs> he ran gas stations across Montreal. He was one of the biggest owners of gas stations across the Montreal area. Isn't that ironic? He and, also and... owned, uh, was a, a partner in an amusement park called Belmont Park that was essentially put out of business by the province uh, starting up their own amusement park, which is now La Ronde Six Flags. But he and his partners started uh, like a, an early version of a Canada's Wonderland type thing. Yes. And then the government came in as their competition. So the grandpappy Trudeau was a true entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He yeah. ran gas stations. He was in the oil business. He was in the amusement business. He had diverse interests. He worked hard. Drank hard, party hard, died early, unfortunately. I mean, it's, yeah. it is a, a tragic family story. Uh, but he made so much money that they haven't had to work in two generations. Well, this is it. This is why he has no idea what he's doing. And he's, he's just, like I say, a puppet following orders uh, from, from, from this carbon tax. And, and the, the, the thing is this. He doesn't, he doesn't, or if he knows, he doesn't care that there's, there's almost 600,000 uh, households here in Ontario who, who are going to have their hydro cut, on them, cut off on them because they can't afford to pay the, the, their bills. The, the hydro bills. You heard. You heard too. Mike Moss earlier today. Nine thousand dollar bill. Now they've taken the six thousand uh, dollar security deposit off of the bill, but yes. he's still facing a hefty bill. Oh, 
uh, all of them are, and and also that will go up because anything that has to be delivered to this city is going to go up. Everything that you can think of that you would ever hope or want to buy, it's and and the thing is, this is what kills me. He knows exactly what. Uh, 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 how much per ton he's going to start with starts in 2018, 2018, and then it's going to go up to $50 per ton, okay? But the thing is this, where is, where is he getting his numbers from? Because to me, when, he's, when he can quote the cost, the, he's, he's just reading it, practically reading it word for word because there's nothing upstairs in that guy's uh, uh, so-called, I hate to even use the word brain and him, him in the same sentence because they're, they're just two opposites. But there, there, he, there, there is nothing, in, not a single original thought in that guy's head. Thanks. It doesn't exist. Thanks for the call, Gloria. I got to leave it there, but I'll tell you, you were asking about background numbers, and I got an email from the guys down at uh, the Rebel saying, all right, well, you know, he's bringing in this carbon tax. It starts at $10, goes to $50. What's it, what does it apply to? What's going to be on this carbon tax? And this was probably an hour or two after he'd stood up and made his announcement. Normally, the prime minister stands up and makes a big announcement like this. People like me who were in the parliamentary press gallery are receiving, first off, a copy of his speech. Sometimes under embargo, sometimes we get it as they start delivering. And we're given a backgrounder with the information included in it so that we can write our stories. I got none of this. And I said to my colleagues who were asking for the information, because people are writing just based off what Trudeau's saying, and I said, uh, I think we're going to have to just wait for this to appear on Twitter. I said, I'm looking to the gallery. I'm emailing his office. His office emailed me the backgrounder on this carbon tax about two minutes before Trudeau posted it to Twitter. The backgrounder had zero background information on it. You don't actually know how this is going to work based on the backgrounder. That's where we're at, folks. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. George writes in to tell me that uh, in the 1950s at Island Park and Richmond Road, Grandpappy Trudeau owned a gas station there. It was called Champlain Gas. Hmm, I didn't know that. Jeremy tells me that uh, I got to give it up on the Kardashians and feeling sorry for them because she's not attractive. I don't know. That makes as much sense to me as saying I should care because she is attractive. It's neither here nor there. The woman had a gun put to her head uh, by five guys dressed as cops and was robbed. She had to uh, plead for her life, saying, I've got two small children. I don't think that anybody wants that. Nobody should have to deal with that. Uh, Also told I should Google pit bull deaths in the USA. People say it's training by the owner when pit bulls can be trained to herd sheep and border collies 
can be used as guard dogs. I will say it as training. Pit bulls were bred to fight to the death in pits. Many pit bulls attack their owners. They are time bombs. Rottweilers, I'm told. Uh, Jeremy, my sister has three Rottweilers. She had one or two of them compulsively bit my hand. Then one day they got out and tore the family corgi apart. Yikes. And that one I'll figure out later. 521-TALK, 521-8255. I probably don't have time for too many more calls, but we do have time for Michelle. Michelle calling in about the bias in the U.S. election. Yes, well, just quickly while I can, I noticed that CFRE changed their website today, and I'm just wondering if I will still be able to hear the podcast. Um, You'll be able to hear clips of the shows. Oh, so we're not, that's too bad, because I really enjoyed playing them at night. I'm not sure what's going to go on with podcasts. We'll see. There's been a few people asking about that. We'll see what's going on, but um, for now, the plan is clips, uh, kind of a best of clips of the show. Okay. Well, that's kind of sad. There's always changes going on, but what can you do, right? Um, Now, as far as the app goes, I don't know if you've tried the iHeartRadio app. No, but I, I obviously it's all over the page there. So it, it is fantastic. It is better. It's more stable than the old uh, Bell Talk radio app. And um, not only do you have access to CFRA and all of the Bell media stations across Canada, you've got access to all the clear channel stations in the States. So it's it, it's a really fantastic way if you're a radio nut uh, Does that compete to access. with Sirius? Yeah, you know what? It's going into cars. And it may end up competing with Sirius because, but, it's free. It, but this is for uh, uh, traditional radio as opposed to. Because look, I've I've enjoyed having Sirius in my car at times, and there's some good things about it, especially when you're on those long trips. But iHeart is also going into cars, and you will be able to uh, track your favorite station when you're traveling. Because you know sometimes you're in between cities and there's just nothing to listen to. And well, you're tired of never sat you're, with me. <laughs> you're tired of your your CDs or whatever's on your phone. Yeah. So, I I go on some pretty long trips, Michelle. <laughs> okay. One one other quick question: What does Mister Suzuki think about Mister Trudeau, or should I say the little twerps? Uh, little injury? potato. Get the name right. Little potato. Oh no, Suzuki called him a twerp. Remember oh, did during he? the election last year? Yes, yeah, Suzuki referred to Trudeau as a twerp. And then Trudeau, so I just find our big environmental, especially West Coast, the Clackwood Sound and everything, like where I thought for sure Mr. Suzuki would have been out against this whole deal and haven't heard a peep, not a peep. No. And anyway, we'll see what goes down there. The, uh, the might explain the sniffing the gas fumes could have affected the genes somehow. And right. you know, If you want to make a comment on the U.S. election, we yes, got to go I quick. Yes, I do. Tomorrow, this uh, Mr. Assange, uh, Julian Assange, is supposed to release some, some mm-hmm. incriminating stuff. I, I find that kind of uh, interesting, and I hope he really is able to uh, lambaste them because the Clintons are as crooked as they come, and I just wish Mr. Trump could get it together and really come after her again. He is somebody who has well, enough ammunition. If he didn't take the bait, he should listen to what they're saying, their criticisms against him, that he's very easy to bait because he goes off and he's, there's just so much he could say. Ab- you know? a- absolutely. I got to cut it there, Michelle. Thanks for the call. Uh, listen in tomorrow night for the U.S. vice presidential debate. Trump can't take the bait. 
He's got to stay disciplined if he wants to win. And if you want something fun, Google New York Post, Bill Clinton, interns, red wine, and read the excerpt that's out there. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Remember, I'm on your side.